What's up, everyone? Sultan of Strangles here. Today, I had a wonderful interview with the head coach of All Star MMA, Jamal Patterson. I messaged him on Facebook and I wanted to do a phone call about some tips on how to grow my gym uh, and how to grow a business. And we're going to call each other, but then I realized why not just make this a podcast episode so you guys could benefit from it as well. Not only in this episode did I learn a lot about building a successful um, martial arts gym, I also learned uh, a lot about sales, a lot about human interactions, and um, just building a successful business in general. So I think you guys are going to benefit from this greatly. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. And before you do, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at K-O-O-L-R-A-K. Follow the gym at Immortals Jiu Jitsu and follow the podcast at Rambling with Rack. And thank you so much to my friend Zishan, one of my uh, students, created a website for the school, immortalsjujitsu.com. I'm so happy <clears throat> we finally have a website. Soon you'll be able to um, actually sign up on the website. You know, person to person, anything. And things are starting to look good for us, guys. Come over to our gym, currently located at 891 Bloomfield Avenue, Clifton, New Jersey. Hope you guys like the episode. What's up, everyone? Sultan of Strangles here. I'm with former IFL, Bellator, Ring of Combat veteran, and the head coach of All-Star MMA, Jamal Patterson. You can find him on Instagram at SilkyJohnson06 and his school, All-Star BJJ MMA on Instagram. Initially, we were just going to have a phone conversation so I could pick his brain on how to run a successful gym, but then I figured, why not make a podcast episode out of it so all of you could learn? Uh, it's a true honor to have you on the show, Professor. It's, uh, it's, and thank you for having me. Uh, so um, I wanted to start the show um, with, a, with a great piece of advice you gave me that I never even really thought about. Um, in an academy, how important is it to have separate classes with separate skill levels? Because right now, all my classes are just all levels of jiu-jitsu. So how important is it to have a beginner's class, advanced class? Uh, so, you know, I, I, you know, I went through the learning pains as well when I first opened up. Uh, and that was, you know, having people. And, and a lot of it was obviously because I didn't. I think I had enough time and you know I also wanted to you know you want to kind of show off what you know when you're first teaching and how knowledgeable you are and then you suddenly realize by having two classes what's going to what happened in one class and everyone in one class all it does is is it literally um frustrates the brand new student especially when you have a brand new guy in there and then there's a guy that comes in that's a, a blue belt or a, or a wrestler or someone that's got more experience. And this guy's been working for six months and think he got better. And then the guy just gets crushed. So, um, you know, for the psyche of, 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 the, of the member, it just doesn't work out. So, you know, separating them. I mean, when I talk about separating my school was the best thing that I ever did. As soon as I did it, the school probably doubled and tripled in numbers right away. And, you know, I really cater around brand new students. My, my, my other guys, they kind of know, the, they know the heartbeat of the academy already. Um, and, you know, they, they just go at a different pace. Their the classes are structured different. But, you know, when it comes to the foundations class, man, it's like I coddle those guys because that's really the future of the academy. 
Interesting. Um, so the, what I noticed I have been doing is, uh, so I'll run a class and I have a lot of beginners and I have some advanced guys. So I'll show a beginner's technique and then I'll show an advanced technique. But the thing is all the beginners do the beginner's technique like once or twice. And then they try to do the advanced technique and they end up not learning either one. Yeah. That's, that's the issue too. The other problem too is like, the, the beginners will want to roll and like I let them roll, but I don't let them roll for more than three minutes and I roll them out of positions. I only let them go for a minute 30 because what happens if they start in their knees, they're going to hurt themselves. You know, everybody has an ego and then and no one wants to get beat and then they're going to go after hard after each other and they're just going to hurt themselves. So in the foundation classes, what I do is I for and then even the blue belts, the blue belts are like, okay, there's there's some new meat, you know what I mean? It's not the new fish in a line. Oh, man, yeah. Don't go after the new guy sometimes. And sometimes it's, it's just a new guy being a new guy. You know, he's going too hard. I mean, of course he's going hard. He doesn't know what he's doing. So, um, you know, what I do is I just put them out of positions. And then when I put them in a position, you know, I put them in a worse position. Like, all right, guys, we're starting from back. We're starting from out. We're starting from here. So they get the feel of going a while ago, but now they start getting comfortable and being in bad positions. Because, you know, most people's, issues is they panic you know they panic when someone takes their back and panic when they're in a mount position so i i you know after they learn the technique they then get put into that worst nightmare that they have they can think of and make them work at it from there and you know after doing that it's it's gotten them ready for the next level of classes where now they can roll without getting injured they can roll a more technical way and they're not just trying to muscle people off of them that's great um so i think that's uh I know, I know you started off at a uh, Henzo Gracie Academy and I know that's like one of the tenets of the way we train. It's like, I'll go to other schools and everyone just starts from the knees, but at Henzo Gracie Academy, we're always starting from the back, from the guard, from side yeah, control. But now, that's what you guys saw. Like, you know, my generation was different. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, yeah, what was it like yeah. back in the day? <laughs> wow. So. Henzo's has always been the mecca of jujitsu, but you know, I, I tell you right now, I, I personally have probably lost Henzo 40, 50, 60, 70, $80,000, you know, and maybe even more hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I also, me personally was probably responsible for some people never training jujitsu ever again, because I was an asshole, you know? Oh my God. And what I mean by that is the academy was different then. you know, we were, the sport was different then. Uh, people have learned how to make the sport available to everybody. You know, back then it was more of a tough guy culture, not a tough guy culture, but like you either either sink or swim. You know, you got thrown into a class and you were either going to sink or swim. And a lot of people sank. You know, now we try to make these people swim. You know, when, when I first started, you know, first of all, it was above the methadone clinic. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, you know, we walked in and... You know, it would literally be little pods of people all over the place. It'd be like Ricardo Almeida, Matt Sarah, you know, well, Matt was already gone, but he was already on Long Island by then. Um, like uh, Sean Alvarez, Rodrigo was there, um, you know, Ricardo Almeida, High and Gracie, the, all of the like big, big dogs would be scrapping with each other. And then it was like the group of like, purple belts that were like looking up and hoping to get pulled into their group. And I was like Joe D'Arcy and Matai's and Carl Massaro and, you know, all these like tough guys. There were little enclaves of groups of people that kind of like hung out in the mat and just waited for people to, you know, back then the culture was like, you know, you didn't ask for someone to hire a belt to, to roll with you, you know? 
And, you know, I would sit there and, like, wait for, like, Ricardo. To, I'd be looking, like, hoping Ricardo will look at me. You know what I mean? So, so Oh, my God. And then I'd roll with them or the Sean Alvarez or guys like that. But they, they enjoyed rolling with me because I had a, I had a wrestling background. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, they would they knew that I would, like, scramble really well if I wanted to. But, you know, I, 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 I the one thing I did was I embraced jiu-jitsu right away. I would just go right into my guard. But, you know, when I would go with those guys, you could tell they wanted me to wrestle. So I would, I would wrestle them a little. But the culture was different. And then, you know, obviously as times started to change and Henzo started, you know, getting more serious about the academy – uh, they started changing the structure of the academy up. Uh, Gorginho came in and really helped with the structure. And then he started creating, you know, at the time, too, you have to remember, uh, you know, we were, Henzo was making money, but not what he was not reaching his potential because the structure that he had. And um, there was a beginner class and a, and a late class. That beginner class was, it was not, it was, you know, John and Sean taught it and they would just teach, you know, crazy shit that a beginner would never know, you know? <laughs> so we're coming in, same thing, you know, everyone just taught whatever. Uh, and, you know, the classes just didn't start on time. It was just, it was a different culture, you know, it was like, a, it was a fight club, you know? And then, um, but it just sucked because there was a lot of people that never got the opportunity to learn jujitsu. And what I mean by that is like that door, there was a door, so the elevator would go upstairs. And the elevator was also the entrance into the room. So you can we can be on the mat and when the elevator loudly opened, you can see who came in. So it could be a friend, it could be a crackhead, uh, it could be a it could be a transvestite one. Oh my god. Or it could be like a new guy that wanted to try to class, you know. And it was like the culture then was like you see a big guy that looks like he's tough. They would and I was always the one because I was like, you know, maybe a white or blue belt, a blue belt then. But I could still go hard because of my wrestling background. So he'd be like, oh, yeah, go with the blue belt over here, you know. And then I'd beat the shit out of the guy. And the guy would never come back, you know. And that was the culture then. But now you just think about how there were so many people that didn't get to learn jiu-jitsu because they, you know, they came into a room and it's a bad taste. You have to remember, every person that comes into your academy is going to be nervous, you know what I mean? They don't know people. Everything's new. Anytime you go into a new place, you're going to be nervous. Now you're going into the academy where guys are fighting and rolling, and when you – when the, when the elevator door opens, that like this, that if you have any size, it stops and everyone just stares at you. You know, it's it's an intimidating thing. <laughs> Interesting. So so yeah, it sounds to me like there was like a very old school kind of valet tudo type of place. Yeah, and it's changed a lot throughout the years. So I wanted to ask you, um, what have you learned over the years, and and what is the exact structure of your classes now? So like for me. I do a warm-up similar to, like, high school football and lacrosse, and people love that. They love the structure like that. So what are your structures like? So I have two different warm-ups. Um, I have uh, – let's see. Um, I have a couple different ways that I do it. So there's the uh, the foundations class. I line them up, and we do the same kind of warm-up because there's a lot of, like – uh, jiu-jitsu movements they need to know. And then uh-huh. I also like to be well, – I'm starting to get – really big into making people do some athletic plyometric type of warm-ups just because yes. people that have old injuries and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, you know, after that, I always do some sort of a self-defense move because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I teach Gracie jujitsu, not sport jujitsu. And what I mean by that is like my white belts are going to know how to defend themselves, you know? Yes. So I'll do a little bit of self-defense. And then, you know, I get into the jiu-jitsu side. Um, that's called my foundation for a whim. And then, uh, so 
the first like couple weeks, first week, you just watch, you don't roll, and then everybody else goes out of position. And then what I do is I have them on three minute rounds. I usually do a position, they go minute 30, they switch, then other person in minute 30. And honestly, that class is 45 minutes an hour. They only do, they roll maybe three to four three minute rounds. You know, because I don't want them to get hurt. I want them, listen, three, nine minutes of rolling for a brand new person, they're dying, you know? Yeah. And especially especially with the warm-up, we warm them up good. So, you know, you can still bang out some calories in the workout in when you're, when you're, when you're there. And like I said, nine minutes, you know, the, the guys are tired. Uh, and then we have our mastery program. Our mastery program is, uh, you know, a little bit longer. It's an hour and 15-minute class. And our warm-up's a little bit – it's not as – it's probably more of a – you know, we roll around, we do some things. It's not as structured, right? And then, uh, and then from there, we follow our curriculum, our weekly curriculum. The foundations we have a curriculum too. We have a ten-week ro- rotating curriculum. And then in the um, in the mastery class, we also have another. It's, the curriculum's kind of loose, but it'll be like this week is spider guard, this week is half guard, and instructors instructors can pick whatever they want within that modality. And then we have our elite class, which are, you know, some of our Nogi guys, because, you know, now that the Nogi things got real big, uh, the elite guys will do, you know, they'll do a lot of their, their uh, Nogi stuff and leg locks and all that other fun stuff. But, you know, we also have kickboxing here. So, you know, I also have a lot of kickboxing program. We have a kickboxing program as well, but it's structured the same way, foundations and mastery. That's great. And, um, yeah, so so right now, you know, I don't really have the time slots for that until I move into my own place. Yeah. But just like you, I'm doing the curriculum. Every week is a theme, and uh, I try to stay, and I try to make sure it's self-defense oriented so people can still compete but know how to defend themselves. Now, I'm going to tell, you... tell you about the importance of the foundations class. So I have a 12 o'clock class, right? And my 12 o'clock class, we call it noon goons, right? And at first, you know, because I didn't want to have to teach two classes and, you know, the guy, the noon guys would come in here. And then I just started noticing there was a lot of white belts that were coming in. And then what happens is the white belts that came in in the noon wanted to have special treatment when they came in to the afternoon classes. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. If I can roll in this class, why can't I roll in this class? So I'm like, so I started a foundations uh, jujitsu class at 11, right? A cl- before, bro, that a foundations class has 18 people in it. You know, and then my in the morning. So then they and a lot of those foundation guys can go to the mastery class, but they stay in that foundation class. So it just that just reinforces the importance of my foundations program. And that's an eleven o'clock class, you know. And it's still packed. Yeah. Yesterday it was like sixteen, seventeen people in a class. And then after that, my mastery class had like twelve people in it. And that's an 11 and 12 o'clock slot. But that's all because of me breaking the classes down. You know, I would lose those guys. And not only would I lose them, like they get, they start getting, feeling like they're, they get mad at, they get, they get frustrated in an afternoon that they got to follow the rules. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, the Uh, academy has rules and they need to follow them because it's the best thing for the team and, and what we do, you know? Exactly. And one of those rules that I overheard you say was that, the first couple of weeks you have someone watch. So do you not allow people to roll until a few weeks? Yeah, I don't just because I just don't want, first of all, first of all, it's like, I like to kind of dead. I like to just make sure they know that they're part of a bigger picture and they're not individuals. You know, I come from a a gym that has wrestlers and stuff like that here because of the wrestling club at my gym, but I also need to slow those wrestlers up. And then, you know, there's no, nobody's better than anybody else here. 
That's great. And I, and I really agree with that. Um, so throughout, throughout your experience, what made you choose that? Was it so that they don't get hurt or so that they, understand so they don't, so they, they don't, so they don't get hurt. So they also know that like, there's a, there's a way of progressing through the ranks and there's also mm-hmm. just so they can learn, you know, I've been, we, you know, I didn't start, I start off with one class like you, you know, I know you see, I see you have five classes in your schedule. I probably would just drop some and then make them foundation classes. Like, on, Interesting. you know, like that, if you're going, if you're going Monday, Tuesday, if you're going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I probably would go Monday foundations, Tuesday advanced, Wednesday foundations, Thursday advanced, Friday foundations. And then if the, uh, cause you probably have the, the, and then the mastery guys or the advanced guys, if they want to do the foundation classes, they jump in, but they're going to be doing foundation stuff. Exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, because that, that I do see a lot of the beginners getting a little frustrated with, um, with some of the more advanced techniques. So I, I'm definitely going to take that into consideration. Yeah. Um, now, now, how do you treat, because I know you have a lot of competitors and I personally, I'm personally friends with a lot of them. How do you treat competitors versus hobbyists? So I don't really have that many competitors anymore. Uh, I had more competitors probably two years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a very tough uh, transition for me because I got stuck when I was with, working with the competitors too much. And uh, yeah, you know, the money and it's a not that it's a hundred percent of a money thing, but uh, it becomes a little bit of a these guys are spending money to see me and I'm all over New York, New Jersey, with with my fighters and and you know I started to shift gears to be like you know I need to and they get jealous you know why is Jamal doing this why is Jamal doing this why isn't Jamal here so I you know I shifted my focus to making sure I was here and I don't have a problem competitors but i'm not traveling all over the place because it's just hard for me my gym is really getting big and i just don't i i need to spend time here with them i need to be to spend time here with my staff uh just to help this place continue to grow because i know when i'm not here i'm not going to get the results and i know this because uh, you know i did this for 70 years before i started having the results that i've had the last two years you know yeah, and uh, I know that's true because I would see you at Henzo's all the time. Yeah, I would see you coaching in the MMA class. The best, let me tell you something. Uh, I can tell you right now that if you, <laughs> I don't even want to put people down, but like if you if you're at, I listen. I love Henzo's. I, I spend my time there. I would be at Henzo's every day if I could. But I know if I'm at Henzo's yeah. every day, if I if, if I was at Henzo's every day, I know my gym is not going to be successful. You know what I mean? I need to spend time. And it's good for me to go every once in a while. I need to start getting back in there from a technical standpoint and also to be around my friends because that's my family still. You know, I miss my family. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if I know if I'm spending all my time in the blue basement, that means I'm not spending time in my business. Exactly. Like you don't want to spread yourself too thin, no, right? No. And, and, you know, a lot of people get obsessed with the, you know, the connection to Henzo's and I was for a long time and I still am and I miss seeing the guys, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm getting older now and I need to start focusing on my guys and developing my brand. And, you know, I, you know, Henzo's will always be my family. You know, they will always to the day that I die, I will have that Henzo flag being waved. Uh, and I will eventually get to the point where I start getting back to, you know, Gregor keeps calling me, keeps calling me, Jamal. So I come to the competition class, come to the competition class. And, and I need to, I need to get there one day a week because it's fun. It's just the problem is going to the city is like, it takes up a whole day for me. You know what I mean? So pretty yeah. much. 
Yeah, pretty much. You, it, it's like for me, uh, I either drive in or take the bus, and then you have to take the bus or drive back. And it really is a whole day thing, and, and when you're running a business, it's very hard. Yeah, and then know? when I'm there, I'm getting anxiety. Good. I'm looking at my phone. I'm getting friends, and I'm, I come rushing back. You know, shit's just not like I'm not in order. So, yeah. So, um, I wanted to shift the topic over to sales because I know um, you have some experience here. And uh, this is something with me that um, I literally have to hold myself back to not fly over the table. Someone will come to my class, tell me how amazing it is, tell me how great of a workout it is. And then when I give them the pricing options, they tell me, I'll let you know, or well, I have I, to you talk know, to my wife about it. I think, well, see, I, it, I think it's the way you present. You know, I, how I present it is I make them say yes. And what I mean by that is I really do not say much. I ask them why they're doing this, right? I'll say to them, why are you doing this? Okay. And then the second question is, what are your goals? And then they talk themselves into it, right? They start saying, I'm doing this because of this. And I go, okay, great. Really? Yes. Okay. I, I let them talk themselves and why they want to train. Oh, you told me that you want to do this for a long time. And I just collect information because I am going to regurgitate that back to them later. Right. You know, there's a sales there's sales tricks that says, you know, you got to get them to say yes all the time and agree to you, because once you say yes to them, the else you're going to get the ultimate yes. And then from there, I just slowly pick away at the the objections. You know, I'll look at them and I'll say, if you're looking like as they're doing this, I'm saying, is something you want to do your whole life. You just decide to do it now. And I'm like, why now? You know, uh, because whatever. Okay. And then when they start telling me excuses, I'll say, is that an excuse or is that you're going to do it? No, I don't have any excuses. I really, I really want to do this. I'm like, okay. Cause when I'm hearing is excuses, you know, and they'll, they'll, they'll usually start to push back. And I do takeaways, you know, I take away from guys all the time. I go, if you're looking to come in here for a month and you're only looking to come in here one or two days a week, then it doesn't even make sense for you to sign up because you're not going to get anything out of it. You need to be here for it. This isn't a sport you do for two months and you get out of. This is a lifelong thing and you need to be coming at least two times a week, at least, but you need to be coming two to four times a week. If you can do that, then I would sign up. And then it takes away their objections because now they just agree to you right there. No, no, this is something I can do, you know? And then, and then from there, I just pitch it. And I'm like, okay, then this is the price. And, you know, when I get the, the wife and a family thing, I don't, Ugh. when I get, I honestly, when I get the wife and family thing, I, well, I say to them is, so are you, like, let me ask you a question. And I, and I, so you're, you and your wife, you agree with all of your financial decisions and everything that you're going to go. Yeah, I agree. And I disagree. Yeah. Cause you know, when I was married, I did the same thing, but I just go, wouldn't your wife be super happy that you are going out and make an initiative to try to make yourself uh, healthier, stronger and more fit and have more confidence. And then they'll be like, yeah. And then I go, okay, call your wife. And I walk out of the room <laughs> and then say, I'll come back in two minutes. Oh my God. I never thought of that. Give them, tell them to call their wife right there instead of go home and talk to their wife. Because yeah. if they go home, yeah. they're probably yeah. not coming back. No, another trick I used to do, so I don't wife. do it as much as I used to tell them. I used to tell them in the beginning, we would do it. The problem is my gym's gotten so busy, I don't have it. We would pre-qualify them. And then I would say, okay, because another thing that they get is I don't have a credit card, right? I don't have my credit. Everyone mm -hmm. has a credit card on them, you know? Exactly. Uh, and I just say, okay, just so you can take the class for insurance purposes, let me hold your license and credit card. This way they also didn't walk out. 
Mm-hmm. And then and then and then I'd come in and sell them because I knew they wouldn't walk out. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. So for insurance purposes, hold your license and credit card. Yeah. I mean I don't, that might be that, I don't know if that's really legal, but that's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> that's so so I noticed with me when I first started, I, I didn't um I, I didn't even I'm like, let's see if this even gets successful. So what I did was um, I accepted payments through Venmo, Cash App, Cash. But then I noticed with that, you have to make the freaking sale over every single month. And they're like, can I pay you in a week? Can I pay you in two weeks? You, oh, yeah, no, you got to pay me when the money. If you have five members that are paying a week late, that means you just lost a month of memberships. That is yeah, exactly. And I had to have that talk last night with people. I, I and I had to put my foot down. On so Thursday. my people are on weekly memberships. What? I put my people on weekly memberships. No way. Yeah. How does that work? So they, I, I use a. You got to get a billing co- uh, company, get Zen Plan or something like that. Uh, Mind uh-huh. Body. Uh, I use them, and they just there's a weekly plan. So I break it down into weekly payments. I know my credit card processing is higher, but one is people don't see the bigger number coming out. And at the end of the day, you actually make 8% on your, on your income because you're, there's more than 52, there's more than uh, 52 weeks or the number is more than like 52 weeks. You know what I'm talking about? It's like 8% higher. Cause there's some weeks that are like four and a half months, some months four and a half, you know what I mean? So psychologically, it's a lower number coming out. So therefore, it's like um, scaring people. Yeah, and also, and also it helped me them. with my, you know, because I ran into some problems before with paying bills when I was kind of, you know, when the academy was smaller because things were spread out, you know, like everyone was hitting on this day or hitting on that day. So now people are coming out all day long. You know what I mean? Every day there's money coming out. Got it. It, and, helps, um, it helps with my cash flow. Yeah, because you're getting cash in smaller increments, which helps pay bills better. Now, um, what are, what what type of options do you have? Is it year? Uh, so when they sign up, I do the standard. Like, say, I do the standard. You know, we have you know our jujitsu. We have our kickboxing programs. We have our MMA program, which is basically everything. That's like a platinum program. And I always start from the highest and work my way down. So you know, I'll sell them the the year long membership. You know, I always go into it as. You know, uh, the problem is I've been getting, I get so many damn year long memberships that I cap it because I like to have that monthly, you know, money coming in. Like there's months I can sell, there's months all of a sudden 10 to 12, like one year memberships, you know, but the problem is you're not going to get that again until next year. And then by the time next year comes, some of them fall off. I mean, it's always good that money, not that money later, but sometimes it's like that number, you're chasing that, you're chasing that full, that so interesting so are you saying when you say yearly membership you mean lump sum pay for the year or they pay one year contract yeah they pay for the one year so all my memberships i go first thing i do is i plunge that into them i tell them all my memberships are one-year memberships you know and they're like well they're all there's a contract i'm like no no i'm like are you looking to quit already you know, that's what I, I said. Them, no, okay. Then, you know, as we said earlier, this is a commitment. This isn't a two month and you're done type of deal. So, you know, if it's something that you're committed to, you know, the best savings you'll have is if you pay for the year up front. I give a, I give savings for, you know, a year up front and a six month or uh, I give them a little percentage off. And then, uh, so your best, and then I waive the activation fee because I have an activation fee. 
on my other one. Okay. So okay. I'll, I'll, you know, this way they see a significant savings, and then I'll, you know, I'll do the the full year. I do a six monther, but you know, I let them know they're all one year memberships, and I and I do that because it preframes them with the weekly because now they have the understanding that they're buying a one year membership that they're just paying off over the year. You know what I'm saying? Got it. So you don't offer a month to month membership where no. they could try it out. No. Well, I do. There is a month to month option, but they have to pay like three months up front and there's no break. It's a little bit higher actually. And then it goes month to month after. Okay. Interesting. Because, you know, I did the whole month to month thing and I noticed a lot of people after a month when it's time to pay again, they're like, Oh, I'll let you know. Yeah. You don't see, here's the thing. I, you got to set their expectations and I need to know what they're going to do because you know, the, the same way you go and you get a cable, right? You know that that cable contract, the same your phone contract, you're in a phone contract, right? You have to let them know. The problem is I did the month to month because I wanted to be a nice guy. And then everybody's just canceled on me because they think it's that culture, right? Now, listen, I don't, it's not like I'm chasing people down in way. I'm not like sending people collections and all that other stuff, but they already know going into it that they had made that, that, that commitment and usually they'll commit you know the, the the what you call it the fall off is a lot less when i just let them know when i was casually because i you know you're in a situation where i was years ago you can't look like you need money you know when you act like you need money that's when you're gonna have a harder time closing people and then that's also when you're gonna have a hard time retaining people because you're just looking to put money on their books you know what i mean you got to look at it from a long-term strategy interesting okay because, you know, what my, my sales pitch used to be that, hey, we're a growing school. We're just going to we're just trying to get as many members as possible. This is why we have discounted rates right now. So that does kind of make me look like I need money, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Interesting. Now, uh, I get a lot of shit for this. Um, my philosophy with like my T-shirt sales and my membership is uh you gotta be aggressive because you probably won't see them again if you're not so on a scale of one to ten how aggressive do you think you are with uh i'm definitely i don't i'm not aggressive in terms of i just let like i mean i'm not i'm really you know i'm a people think that i can be a like but i'm really kind of an introvert believe it or not even though you wouldn't think about think that when you meet me like you know i was a kid you know when i look when i was a kid you know, I was a kid that would be afraid to go to the store. You know what I mean? So I have it. And I do notice I am, I do get shy and I hate asking people for money. You know, I, I hate it. And especially, but I just, the way I frame it is I don't ask them. I frame it where they're just kind of like agreeing to it. And then it doesn't go with the membership. And then, and I'm just like, well, you just agreed to all the points. Why wouldn't you go forward with the membership? You know what I mean? I'm not, you know, you said that you liked something. You said you always wanted wanted something you always wanted to do. So now we can get it done. You know, and then I just shut my mouth and let them pick the program. You know, what I mean, there's a, I like there's a saying: That's the first true. person that talks loses. You know. Oh wow, I like yeah. that. <laughs> the first person that talks yeah. loses. So, so I'm I'm assuming you're not running this all by yourself, and that you have assistant coaches. So, what are some core values of your gym, and what do you look for in an assistant coach? Uh, so, you know, I only my core value my of my gym is if you are going to be coaching here, you have to come from our system. You know, I don't like hiring people from outside to come in and run my classes because they're not part of the structure. They don't connect with my members, uh, and they just come in here and they're just a paid they're they're a paid employee. You know, I want my guys 
being a part of this culture because if I know they're part of the culture, that means that they're part of our culture growing and uh, they're also going to respect the culture as well. Interesting. And as far as that culture goes, um, what are some ways you could, are you talking about just the Henzo Gracie Academy? No, culture the Henzo or... Gracie Academy culture. Yeah, of course. But that's where I got my culture from. You know what I mean? Henzo doesn't yeah. have rogue instructors teaching there. You know what I mean? All the Henzo's guys are his cousins, exactly. his family. So yeah, from that structure, I'm not going to, listen, I made the mistake before of hiring kickboxing coaches. And then I come into my own gym and it's like, I have two different gyms here. And my kickboxing guys don't even say hi to me when they come in. You know what I mean? So, wow. um, you know, I just, I itched it. And then I just started teaching the classes. And then I, luckily I got super lucky uh, Billy Bello, who's a Henzo, he was used to train with us at Henzo's back in the day. Luckily, texted me out of the blue one day and was like, "Do you know any gyms in Union I can train?" I'm like, "Bro, I have a fucking gym in Union." <laughs> and then, uh, oh wow! And then, uh, and then, you know, so I was able to get him, but he knows the culture. He came from our culture, so it's a different situation. You know, I really don't like hiring people off the street to come in and teach, and I don't think I ever will. I just want to open a program up until I have, you know, somebody that can teach it and also a backup because uh, there's a, they say there's always that lonely number of one. You don't want one person controlling your program because if that person leaves, you're screwed. Exactly. And uh, that leads me to my next question um, because it relates to this. I literally have guys who will come in on their day one free trial class, uh, usually older guys, and they think that they're a teacher. They're teaching my students how to do submissions. I have to pull them aside. Like, listen, you're here. Are you here to learn or teach? Don't teach my students. We have a certain way of doing things. So you, you can't be showing these techniques because it's not what I want to be taught. So have you ever had that situation? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, we have it. But I mean, the culture here, they pretty much understand, you know what I mean? And, you know, we, we bust chops here a little bit. And sometimes I use the bust the chops to, I bust chops to kind of make, you know, people not do it because of my guy. I'm not going to get on Jamal's bad side, you know. I'm not going to get on. I don't, yeah. don't want to be on the butt on the butt end of a joke, you know. Uh, but um, you know, our guys are pretty good here. I don't really have issues, and people don't come from outside here. If people come from outside here, they know what the they like. My guys, my guys are tough, you know. So you know, we're not you know the fucking death squad, but you know, Dan and Bud, like my guys are tough. You're not going to come in here and roll through the guys. So people usually, you know, they respect the gym when they're here. Good. They know that, you know, there's a teacher there. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, now, you said you haven't had too many issues. Um, I asked this question to gym owners because it's a fun question and I always get a funny story. Um, have you ever had, um, what are some issues you've had in the gym? And how did you solve them? And have you ever had to kick someone no, out? No, I've gotten kicked out of a gym. <laughs> I was Wait, kicked what? out of a gym recently. Oh, really? uh, it was Why? a student. Uh a student who I helped, uh, a student who was my, who tells me that I'm a horrible instructor, yet he was my student. Some tells you how good he was. Uh, he took the lease over for my, my building because he was opening a CrossFit gym. And then uh, he started, you know, now this is a guy you have to realize that was out of work and I got him a job, you know. And then uh, he started, uh, you know, telling everybody that I'm a scumbag and that I don't, that I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, I don't pay my, my people. I'm wanted by the police. I have three felonies against me. Uh, um, you know, just, just stirring the pot up, you know, and then he took my shit, threw it out and told me to, you're done here. 
after I'd been in a facility for six, seven years because he had the lease now and then told my members to join his gym and that I was a scumbag. <laughs> oh my, I notice a common theme. It's always the people that you bent over backwards for that. And yeah, and, and listen, at the end of the day, it was my fault. I put myself in a position because I didn't want to spend money to fix the facility up because he was going to put a CrossFit gym in it. So, but it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. It, all, it all worked out. I ended up just moving somewhere else. And of course, you know, my members remembered what an asshole he was when he was in classes. So, they, they, of course, you know, he oh, kept wow. like three people or some four people or something like that. Yeah, karma always gets to listen. Man, all he did, yeah. listen, so he could have facility. been in a great situation because we're making, we're doing, we're doing really well here. You know, I was, it was, a, it was the best thing that happened to me because I needed to move, I needed to upgrade my facility, but I was just kind of being stagnant because I didn't want to leave the to make to pick up and uproot was tough. And the building that we needed, the building that I was in, had a lot of structural issues. It was leaking all over the place. Like that building is full of mold. Like that leak, it was leaking really? for years. So he had to patch everything up, but they're still structurally. What do you think? You think you just patch it up? You don't think all the water that was been leaking for years isn't in the walls? You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah you know, but of course mold. he went around and told everyone that my mats are moldy and this, you know what I mean? But I'm like, it's the building. So you're still in the building. But, uh, but um, my point is, uh, you know, I just needed to move and I was just, I was just being hesitant. And then he kind of forced me. To, and I had a lot of things in my head that I wanted to do, but I knew I needed to make the gym nicer and expand. But I just wasn't really wasn't pulling the trigger. So when he pushed me to doing it because the way it went down, you know, listen, he lost a great business partner. I mean, first of all, he wasn't a business partner. He tells everyone he was my business partner. He was never my business partner. He was a landlord. You know what I mean? And uh, interesting. Um, uh, he's like, oh, Jamal's a horrible business. I'm like, but well, it doesn't matter how I was with business. You were never my business partner. You were a landlord. You know what I mean? That's all you are. We were never business partners. Why would I have a brown belt or purple? Not even, it was literally a purple belt that paid his way into getting a black belt. Why would you, uh, why would you um, have somebody like that as a partner? I don't need you as a partner, <laughs> you know? So, uh, exactly. So, um, my, uh, so that, but it was the best thing that happened because it pushed me to, to open up the new facility. And then after that opened, I was able to actually do all the things that I've been wanting to implement. You know what I mean? But, you know, it, it sucked for him because he could have been, you know, listen, I got a lot of students, you know, they could all have been doing the stuff over at his like CrossFit gym. But, you know, some people, they see things and they want everything. They don't understand that they just stay in your, well, your, your uh, wheelhouse of what you're good at. You know, they see you making money, they want your money. They see someone else making money, they want that money. They see this person, they want that. You know, me, 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 you know? That's so true. And, um, and man, I think it was a blessing. This oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Since I left, my memberships have exploded. You know, it's great. It's great. I'm, I'm finally doing what I want to do the way I want to do. My, my students are progressing the way they want to do. And now I'm just uh, in a situation where I want to, help other guys start, you know, opening up their own schools and doing their own thing. Yeah, I really appreciate this so much. I, I've learned so much already just from this call. Um, now, now I actually have a business partner. So I was wondering, have you ever had an actual business partner or is it? Yeah, uh, so I had a partner in the original gym, a good friend of mine who actually is still, you know, when we're, there's, I'm going to start paying him. He's a, like, yeah, and then he kind of went off and did his own thing. Uh, so I, he, he is not a partner anymore. Not we're still great friends. 
Uh, it was just we just mm-hmm. he started doing other. We just he wasn't make we weren't making enough money together in this business. Bottom line, uh, then, then at that time, Got it. and uh, and then now I'm solo. Yeah. So like in that partnership, right? How how would you guys divide up? Uh, you know, well, all partnerships are different. How you, you know what I mean? Paid. It depends on what you want. You know, do you get somebody that? You know, uh, is is it a working is it a working partnership where they're inside and you're splitting things 50-50 and it's but and it's a working agreement where you're doing it or is it somebody that is just buying into equity which is different you know percentages change then right you know you got to come with forecasts and numbers yeah. on what you're going to do and how much you're going to give away and all and in order because you remember you're going to be with those people forever even if you pay them off if they have equity they have equity in it you know so you have to make sure you you, you choose it the right way so uh there's a bunch of different ways to structure partnerships you know is it a working partner where you're both working at the same time you know uh or is it someone that's just putting money in if someone's just putting money in they're not equal partners you know yeah so like uh right now what we're doing because we haven't uh, we're just subleasing right now so uh we we we're, we're we don't have our own place so what we do is whoever he brings in pays him Whoever I bring in pays me. And then once we get our own place, we're going to go fully 50-50 yeah. on the students. So I'm at that point where we're trying to figure out how we're going to structure that partnership. So I always try to pick people's brains on how to go. Yeah, forward, it's always you know? tricky when you have like a 50, 50% partner because there's only one person does more work than the other. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's that's that, that that's a huge issue. Um. Now, um, as far as changing class structures, moving places that help your uh, gym uh, get successful, can you give me the best ways you do to market your Uh, gym? A lot of it is, you know, word of mouth. Uh, I work with a lot of police. uh, And then now I do a lot of ads. You know, Mike, if you... Your voice got a little weaker. Can you hear me now? Closer to the mic. Uh, A little closer. Uh, now it's good. Can you hear me better? Yeah, so there's yep, a couple yep, different perfect. ways. One is I had to just make sure I had the process flow going. And what I mean by that is making sure the phones are answered, make sure when people are coming onto the website that they're automatically getting scheduled in. So, you know, I've had to learn how to do this over the years. And there's different services that allow you to do it, you know. So, you know, if you call in, you got my answering service, the answering services is instructed to just sign people up. If they don't, they leave a message so then we can get back, you know. Uh, I just want someone pick, picking up the phone live. Uh, when you go into my website, it will automatically schedule them, right? Yeah, and my schedule has oh, wow. reminders. And then, you know, I run Facebook ads as well. And my Facebook ads, you know, they it has, you know, a bot that answers the people. So they're answered right away. Yeah. That's great. And um, how how useful would you say Facebook and uh, Instagram I'll tell you what, I started, working, I started working. So my gym was doing very well. And then this summer, and during the pandemic, I started working with Academy Kings. Uh, and uh, they took my Facebook marketing and my web marketing and helped me structure to where I was able to, you know, really bounce up and really, and I was able to do it in the middle of a pandemic, you know. So, uh, and that wow. was just through Facebook ads. It was also through a lot of hard work, you know, um, and just kind of listening to what they said and kind of uh, not blindly listening, but listening to what they're saying and putting their, their, uh, 
their processes in place and just making sure I followed up and make sure I kept doing stuff every day. I had to get used to being on on my phone and doing interview and doing, you know, ads and, you know, talking and using my social media. Interesting. I noticed a, a huge cause for success for a lot of gyms is hiring these third party people. Like yeah. Academy. So, you know, here, my sister's a business consultant, right? Uh, she's super successful. Uh-huh. Uh, she, and now she's, she started off. She's a, she's a naturopathic doctor. All right. Uh, uh-huh. I want to say something, but I hope this, where is this going? Bart? Is this going to be broadcasted all over the place? Uh, it's Spotify. Okay, so, Apple, okay, here's an example. So I'll say it because I won't ever tell the girl I'm dating. So the girl I'm dating is a real doctor uh-huh. and my sister's a naturopath, right? <laughs> my sister probably makes more money than a real doctor. Okay. Yeah. Oh, really? My sister runs a very good practice. And she okay. now only works three days a week. And the rest of the time, she does consulting work to teach other people how to do what she does. And how she became successful is when she opened up her. Uh, so if anyone's listening to this and knows my girlfriend, don't ever tell her this. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the reason my sister became successful is when she opened up a business, the first thing she did was she had a business coach, you know? And I had to start thinking about that and start thinking about myself as an athlete, right? I was ne- I was a good athlete because I had great coaches. You know, yeah, I had some yes. athletic ability, but, you know, I had, you know, I had the best coaching in the world. You know, from high school, I had Jeff Buxton, who was a Blair Academy guy. You know, he was the one of the best wrestling coaches in the world. I, college, I had Dick Biddle, one of the best football coaches. And then I had fucking Henzo Gracie. So I've always had... And yeah. I had, you know, terrific gifts. I, I've always had exceptional coaching, and that's why I ended up being good. So, you know, I had to – now I'm going to go into business and not have a coach. You're out of goddamn mind. Interesting. Um, now, would you – now, let's say – let's say um, – because I know a lot of these uh, third-party uh, business coaching uh, companies cost a lot of money. Would you say someone who's just starting out is it a good yeah, idea? Ab- to absolutely, pay that it's money probably even better because then you don't have to go back and recorrect all your mistakes like I had to do. Wow, <laughs> interesting. Because I remember when, during football, the coach was like, um, "I'm happy. I- I'm happy to train the new guys because I don't have to take the bad habits out of them. The older guys are coming. I don't know what the hell they're doing, and now you got to reteach them everything." Wow. Interesting. So definitely get. So I'm definitely gonna hire one of these. Um, I might even hit yeah, up Academy. They're Kings. great. I'm not just plugging um, them because, but they know this. They know their sport. You know, they're they're not too big of a of a unit where they don't have time for you. You know, like some of these big ones. Probably, I'm sure they're like, compromised in terms of what they can do time wise. So I know it just works for me. Mm-hmm. It works for me. That's great. Well, we won't talk about price over the podcast, but if you can even, honestly, I got to talk to my account because things have gotten kind of crazy where I don't even know what I'm paying them right now because I'm, there's different structures <laughs> and levels and different things that I'm doing. So that's awesome. Um, man, so that's, that's actually all the questions I had. Um, you definitely opened my eyes a lot. And, you know, Vic and a lot of your guys come to visit sometimes. I would love it if you would come 
maybe uh, give us a visit, and I definitely want to check out. Yeah, for sure. This is a man, I love that kid. Even I want to knock him in his head sometimes. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Professor. Right, Have a wonderful day. Bye bye. What's up, everybody? Sultan of Strangles here, aka the Kimura King, aka the Ayatollah of Ankle Locks. New website, immortalsjujitsu.com. You could actually go check it out now. Follow me on Instagram at K O O L R A K, at Rambling with Rack, at Immortals Jujitsu. Follow me on Facebook, Mike Rack Shan, M I K E R A K. S-H-A-N, Sultan of Strangles website coming soon as well. Thank you so much for your support. Make sure to share this episode. Make sure to go on iTunes and give it a five-star rating as it will help me rise through the ranks.